we blow something? Am I on now? All right. Everybody hold your tongue like that. It should work. I'm Pastor Ralph Lowe. Um, she received a number of physical hits and bad news, and she's processing that. But on top of the weight of pastoralship, it's, it's a heavy load. So I just cut her loose. I said, you go to a prayer retreat. Uh, you go on a sabbatical leave and hear from Jesus and have zero responsibilities except feed yourself. And uh, so she's in McCall, and I know her heart is with you all. That's part of her problem. She can't cut you loose. She's got that mother thing going. It's kind of an umbilical cord attached to all of you. And, and uh, you mothers know and you understand that she is a spiritual mother. And so she feels spiritually what you mothers feel when kids are doing good or not so good or sick or not sick. And she kind of internalizes all of that, which is what you want from a pastor's wife. Yes? Amen. Amen. So that's our burden. That's Pastor Everett Roberts who trained us called, it's a greater weight of glory. So she goes, I hate that word weight. Where does he get that word weight? And now that we're pastors, we see why Pastor Everett said greater weight of glory. I'd like you to turn with me to Acts 2. as a place of beginning. Um, this is officially the last message. I'm, I'm a cleanup hitter for our series on Better Together. But in reality, you're never done as a Christian with this message. If Jesus didn't believe this, he'd have just stayed in heaven. Think about it. What would drive him out of heaven? A bunch of people? Because he was doing fine. Yeah? But God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son to make the whole world better together. Yeah? Our world is better because of Jesus. And it's better because a community of believers got together and impacted the world for Jesus. It wasn't a bunch of lone strangers who changed the earth. It really wasn't. The church of Jesus Christ has always been his method to move the kingdom forward. It's his Jerusalem. It's his Zion where the king of kings and Lord of lords reigns and his will is done on the earth through the church as it is in heaven. He hasn't sent all the angels of heaven here. He sent you and I to be his church. It is such a powerful thing when we come together that the Bible only says one time the gates of hell can't prevail against this thing, and it's the church. Gates of hell can prevail against Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Elks Club, public schools, governments. The gates of hell cannot ever prevail against a people who would join together in one accord for Jesus. Upon this rock he built his church and the gates of hell. We belong to an unshakable thing called the kingdom of God. It's awesome when you finally get into understanding why it's better together for that thing that I'm a part of is greater than the part I play. My part is important. But what gives my life purpose is I get to join my little cog with your cog, with your spring, you know, and we drive the kingdom of God together with all our parts working in unity. We're like one body 
made of many parts. What a beautiful thing that is. What a beautiful picture. And I want to tell you that God is no respecter of persons. No matter how white, no matter how right, no matter how long they've been in a church, no matter if they're a pastor or if they're a plumber, all are one in this family. You are accepted and you belong and we're believing that God's going to make us more and more not all look alike. I love it. Let's all start looking a little different and come together and still be in unity. Amen? Don't you love that? I do have some Israel stories from being over there and I'm sure you'll hear them as God dribbles them out in my messages. Uh, but one of them was I talked to you last week about the praying wall and I had a further experience at that wall where our guide said, I know you guys are Americans, and everybody you see along that wall is mostly heritage for 6,000 years, Jewish people who own that wall. But he said, your Jesus was a Jew who paid the price for you to go to that wall. That's your wall too. Oh my gosh, I'm this big, tall, gangly, awkward American walking to the wall looking for a space and my Jewish guide has just told me I belong there. Boy, I needed to hear that. Because you know, there's a lot of heritage on that one, and it's only mine through the Bible. I didn't pay a price to forge that little nation that's smaller than the size of Idaho out with my bare hands. But these people have done that. And yet they're sharing the wealth of that wall with us. And then I found a spot, and he had said on the wall, the Holy of Holies where it was positioned, just if you care, was closest to that far left side of the wall. Well, as Christians, I realized I took Jesus with me in the temple of my heart. So uh, he wasn't any more over here than he was over here, but that's where a place kind of opened up, and why not? So I move over there. <laughs> I, I paid a lot of money to get there. I'm going to go to the best spot. You know, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm over there against this wall feeling like I belong, and I was praying 10 seconds. And an old Jewish rabbi dressed in black with his little Bible came up and I had my eyes closed and all of a sudden I feel these loving arms going around me. And he began to pray in tongues over my life. It was Hebrew, but it felt just like, <laughs> felt just like, at least I, my spiritual gifting of interpretation of tongues said, I think he's speaking in Hebrew. But it was just like he was praying over me in that same Loving, and all of a sudden, the love of a man from a total different side of the road was accepting me, a Christian, obviously Christian. I didn't have the little hat on. I wasn't the right color. But he's praying for me, and tears are starting to roll down my eyes. I just wonder of you older rabbis that live here, if you understand what will happen the first time a brand new person comes in who doesn't look like you and you put your arms around him and he asked me my name. He wanted to know who I was. I know you don't know this about me, but I was crying, you know. So my hard heart just crumbled right there. What would happen if we were the old Jewish rabbi to every new person that walked in this house? Hey, what's your name? Can I pray for you? Oh, so glad to have you. Oh, no, no, you belong here. You belong up front. You what an image that God gave me that day. So 
If you go to the wall, it's on the far left, right up there in that little spot. We're better together because you can't save the world alone. <laughs> Who do you like up there? I like Wonder Woman now because she was actually a Jewish soldier in the Israel Defense. Uh, Gal, Gagal or something is her name. She was 18 years old, signed up to be a part of the Israel military and was a, a weapons expert and taught other young people how to use their weapons. Hollywood really liked her skill set coming to the movie, <laughs> right? All Israel children joined the army at 18, male and female. And we saw them walking around full gear in the streets. If you know Mark Schramm, my buddy from Kellogg, he kept asking him, is your gun loaded? Is your rifle loaded? I see it doesn't have a clip in it. And they'd pull out their clips and he'd laugh, talk weapons with them and walk off. But one of the reasons I love these DC comic movies is when they all join together, the League of Nations, you know, Galaxy Whatevers. Isn't it fun to watch them all come together and just beat up on the bad guy? Just something, it's almost like, I know some of you are purists and you just want to see a Superman movie or a Batman movie, but to me when they started joining forces against all the alien forces of the universe, it was just awesome. And if they hadn't have, the earth would have been gone by now. So, I mean, you can thank them for that. My message title is Better Together, and I took it from the phrase, love one another, and we're calling it love together. And I'll explain that as we read. Follow along with me now as I go to Acts chapter 2, 42 through 45, reading out of the New King James Version, and they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. Could you say that with me? Apostles' Doctrine. And fellowship, say that word. That's all the same fellows and the same ship. In the breaking of bread and in prayers. By the way, this morning's prayer was off the chart, wasn't it, folks? 9.30, that oh, was awesome. Thank you for being here. And you, the rest of you just continue to try to break away and come in and be with us. But it was awesome. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were what? Together. Together. And had some things in common. My family had this in common. Their family had this in No, no. The Jewish rabbi loved on the Christian big American white guy. They had all things in common. Their prayer, their prayer life, their living together in harmony and unity, even though they were vastly different. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need and even took offerings for other churches. Way to go, Legacy Church. Now I'm going to Acts 2, 46 through 47 out of the NIV. Every day they continued to meet how? In the temple courts. And I got to see the temple courts. I'll explain something about that maybe later. They broke bread in their homes and ate what? Wow, that word keeps showing up in Christendom. With what kind of hearts? Glad and sincere or simple hearts. It was just simple. Just be together. Doesn't have to make it complicated. Just go to somebody's house and eat a meal. Don't make it a big deal. Just keep it simple, but be glad to do it and be together. And Jesus made a promise. 
You want me in your midst? Where two or three are gathered together. That's where I'm at. He drove us together through his blood, through his love. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Legacy Church, our success and any Christian church's success in the 21st century all has to, it has a reason. It was built specifically, the Bible says, fitly framed even together. This building stands in the snowstorms because they did a lot of things right. They didn't willy-nilly it. They built it a specific way to have the maximum strength so it would last a long time. Jesus built something that's still here. And the word that came to my mind in this message is, Ralph, reverse engineer this thing. I mean, think about it. 12,000 miles away from that wall that I went to, over 2,000 years later, multiple nations and wars and pestilence and famine, and etc., 2,000 years of humanity later, and would you say you're part of a successful thing called Christianity? How many of you believe that the Jesus you have right now has been highly successful in your life? As if he was alive today still. But what we have to realize is Jesus came to build his church upon a rock. And he built it specifically. So what I'd like to do is take the perfect church, legacy church, take the perfect church and let's reverse engineer it. How did in the world, when we take it all the way back to 2000 years, what were the parts that made us whole today? We just read them. The early church started with the apostles' teaching and fellowship. I told you it was simple. What was the apostles' teaching? And what was the fellowship? Well, I grabbed um, three of the top apostles, we would say, who did the most writing in the New Testament, along with Jesus. They were a chip off the old block, so I'm going to take you down to ground zero of this thing called followers of Jesus, to, you know, 2019. It all started with Jesus. And how many of you know the most important thing that Jesus said? Now, if he couldn't have backed it up, it would have died there. But he showed and lived this message. He said, these things I command you so that you will what? How many commands did Jesus, you know, Moses had a lot of commands. How many did Jesus have? How many know, how many, not strong suggestions, not, you might want to think about, but where Jesus got kind of, there is no two ways about this. I command you to do this. How many of those did Jesus have? Raise your hand if you think you know. How many, Judy? Two. All the law, the entire Old Testament. I mean, if you're sitting at the wall praying, wanting to know what this Hebrew rabbi knows, boil it down to two things out of his Torah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, all your soul. And the second is birth from that, is what you could say. It's just like it. What? Love. What? Love your neighbor as much as you love 
your child, yourself, your spouse, love one another. Jesus just commanded two things. In fact, because the king of kings laid down that law, Christians called that the royal law. When you read in the New Testament, if any author says the royal law, he's talking about the king of kings has commanded this is a law. This is our one law. I told you it was simple. I didn't say it was easy. Why do you think he commanded you to love one another? How many of you find you just do it to everybody all the time? It's just intuitive. Love everybody. No, no. He knew he had to command Christians love one another. Because one of them is going to take your seat in the church someday. Take your parking lot someday. Take your solo someday. And you're going to have to decide, what's Jesus commanding me to do here? So Jesus passed this on pretty good because Peter began to preach right off the bat in his epistle. He says, now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth of Jesus, love one another as if what? What kind of message is Peter sending as an apostle of Jesus Christ? This was the apostles' teaching. Then we go to John the Beloved who lived longer than any other apostle, who wrote more about love than... You know, they say there's a saying, oh, for the love of Pete. It really is, oh, for the love of John. Peter got some credit, but it should be, oh, for the love of John. John wrote more about love in the number of words that he wrote than any other author. Doesn't mean he was the only apostle teaching it, as you'll see, but he said, oh, man, was he powerful. There's Christian legend that his apostle, his disciples, these young men, when he lived almost to be 100 years old. You see, of all the messages of the apostles, John got the message loud and clear, and he had to be like a Kentucky long rifle. He had to bore longer through history to make sure that this shotgun thing called Christianity didn't go in all directions. Clear through his life, he kept saying one thing, one thing, one thing. And he kept saying, Jesus was flesh. I touched him because they started to say, they started to spiritualize everything and say, Jesus probably didn't really come to earth because the Gnostics began to teach he couldn't be a human and still be God. And we can't have sex and eat good food and still be holy. So therefore, Jesus probably just existed spiritually. And you'll hear the apostles later on in their writings, I touched him. I beheld him. We ate with him. Thomas touched the nail prints in his hand because as Christianity went on, it began to go kind of wackadoodle. But God kept John alive saying, he was real, he was in the flesh, he died physically, brutally for you because of his outstanding love and because he loves you so much. You cannot be a follower of his if you don't. Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. No man can say he knows God and hates his brother. John literally says, this beautiful loving man says, you are a liar if you say you love God but hate your fellow man. For the love of God is not in you, and you do not know God. For if you know God, you'll want to be together with other Christians. You'll want to love on other Christians. You'll want to forgive them like Christ forgave you. 
I have a question I think everybody in here can answer, no matter how long you've gone to church, if you've read the Bible or not. Jesus decides to manifest himself and attend Legacy Church for the next four years. Woohoo! We always knew we were the beloved. He could no more do that. His love is so big. But if he began attending here, how many of you would he want to get to know? I don't care how wretched you are or think you are. Do you think Jesus would press in and get a little nosy with your life and want to know about you and want to be with you and want to eat with you and want to have lunch? In fact, he was blamed for partying with the party animals. The wine bibbers and the tax collectors. Jesus hung out. He wanted to get to know them. Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I want to eat lunch with you. What did that mean? I want to fellowship you. I want to be together with you. And my touching your life and you touching mine is going to cause an altering event that will send you into eternity. If you have the heart of Jesus, you won't limit your fellowship to just you and yours. Ever. Now, pastors have had a problem with this where they totally disenfranchise their own family to go meet other people. There is a balance. Jesus never asked a pastor to lay down his wife for the gospel, just his life. We pastors have had to get smarter saying our family is our number one congregation. And how do we bring glory to Jesus if I raise you up as a pastor and all my kids turn into little raging devils who rebel against God? Because you've just snobbed them. Their favorite man in the whole world has been taken away because the father says, well, God, God wants me to leave you. God wants me to go on this evangelical cruise. Now, you've got to understand that some families have the grace for that, and the kids turn out like, oh, Tony and Sophia, where their parents were going all over the world, and they seem Daniel's kids. I mean, you know, there is a grace in families to do that, but you have to be called to that. We have learned we've got to love on our family hard and then love on others. Charity begins at home. So, out of that great love you have for your family, that launches. But Jesus would want to hang with all of you. He said, when are you guys having another meeting together? Wednesday, the 24th, we're all going to come together, red and yellow, black and white, male, female, Gentile, Jew, everybody who's here, all together in one place, in one accord, and we're going to follow the apostles' teaching. We're going to fellowship. We're going to break bread. We're going to build the church from the ground up. Because that's how he did it 2,000 years ago. Good enough for Jesus and his apostles. Good enough for Pastor Ralph and his church and everybody else's church. This is when churches become successful, by the way. Every church who builds upon this foundation of love and fellowship and having things all in common, not just the haves and haves-nots, it's not just financial. People can get possessive for the pastor. I've known Pastor Ralph since he was eight years old. You just know him three weeks. I've had people actually say that. And I love him. But then I turn to the guy that's three weeks old and I give him a bigger kiss. And he's embarrassed, but now he belongs to us. He feels he's included. I have to, I have to do some damage control. All things in common. All things. You, just because you've known Jesus longer, you don't get more of him. You want to give more of him away. Yeah? That's heaven. Heaven's when you share Jesus with everyone. You share the church with everyone. You share your finances with everyone. You share your food with everyone. That is Christianity 101. Amen. It's what they did to start this whole huge thing that would have reverberated through history and changed Rome forever. That's a good 
Slavery has gone away. It took us a long while. Kings and queens are dropping off the planet. There is only one king, and his name is Jesus. And somehow the earth is knowing that more and more as the day approaches. Woo! The apostles' teaching, Peter, John, John even gets really going and he says, no one has ever seen God. So if we love one another, that's how we seem. That Wednesday night we meet together, I guarantee you will feel God around your table. Where two or three are gathered, he's going to be there. And when we begin to love on each other, do things together, God abides in us and his love is complete in us. And it only comes through each other. The reason it's better together is you can't have full God without full love for his people. And not just words. How many know what type of English word love is? Is it a pronoun? Is it a noun? What is a verb? Honey, Susie, I love you, um, but I have nothing else for you. But I do love you. Well, how many wives would love their husbands to show love? Okay, don't raise your, That is awesome. You ladies didn't raise your hand. You're just deferring your husband. I will not embarrass you in public. That was wonderful. We need words of affirmation, especially when they're backed up. So when Jesus said, this I command you, love one another, did he back that up or not? Oh my gosh, what an action word called the cross and crucifixion and Calvary. He had the ultimate act of love. We are the only spiritual belief system on the planet where our king willingly laid down his entire life for the people. Buddha didn't do that. Muhammad didn't do that. And I'm not putting the people down. There's just nobody like Z. He's king of kings and lord of lords. We've said it and we believe it. And he showed a love that is beyond belief. And if he comes into your heart, you cannot help but be together with his people. If I like you as a man and wife, I'm going to like your kids. If I want to respect and honor you, I'm going to treat your kids nice. Yeah? Look what Jesus did for these kids. We dishonor Jesus when we don't treat one of the people he died for kindly or with honor or to prefer them over myself. When we love on the least of these, my brethren, we've done it to Jesus. So old Jewish rabbis, find the least in this house. Put your arm around them and welcome them. Find out their name. Get to know them. There's a word, and, and so then we go to Paul, the apostles' teaching. So we've had Peter, John, Paul. Paul says this, love one another with what kind of affection, family of God? Most of us have brothers we like. And even though we argue, nobody can call them a name, only you can call them a name. Right? Only I can hit my brother, you can't hit my brother. There's a love that we have for our family. Paul calls that a Christian love, where we bridge the gap. There's neither Jew nor Greek, Gentile, 
free, nor slave, nor male, nor female. We are one in the body of Christ. And they begin to coin a term called brotherly love. No greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for language here competition's on everybody we're going to see who wins who can outdo everybody else in the way you love each other any competitive americans in the house come on let's get competitive let's the game's on i'm going to outdo you with how much i love you i i, I had to finally correct my wife i don't do very often but she, i would say i love you susie she'd go i love you more okay where do you go from there I love you more or more there. Well, I love you before you even loved me. How do you know that? You were ninth grade. I was sixth grade. I loved you a lot then. And you get into an argument. I hope we have a lot of those arguments in the house of the Lord. I do too love you more. Let's outdo one another in not just talking about it, but showing honor and love are attached, by the way. Showing honor. So the message title, Better Together. Love together. How can I say love together? I thought it said love one another. I did a research on this, the Greek word for one another. Actually, in the King James, one another is one Greek word. The Greek word, interesting enough, is alone. Lone. She's a loner. He's a loner. That's not together. But loving one another means not lone. And you'll find in the Hebrew study of the Bible that the word together is either the same or very closely associated with the word one another. You can put in the place of your Bible this command I give you, love together. Together is where love's really shown. You don't love a woman until you marry her and live together with her. How many know that's when love began in your marriage? And some of you didn't go very far and you needed more love in the marriage. And then 15 years later, thank you, Jesus, I finally love her now. We had to fight through some things. But now it's true love. Because I had to stay together with her. It should not be an option whether or not you fellowship other Christians. We make that way too optional today. Now, there are times you need to switch churches. But it's like your son going to college. He has to switch to the dorm room instead of the bedroom. Doesn't mean he quits loving where he came from. Some people travel. You have to not force people to stay at Legacy and Meridian if they're being called to be president of the United States. For goodness sake, they won't let him live here. Set him free and have him turn the kingdom of God on fire. And then you take credit for it on your Facebook. So we can say, actually, no one has ever seen God. If we love together, God abides in us. If we love together, God abides in this church. This is why churches that do this are successful. The presence of God is oozing out of the people. It's oozing off the walls. It's oozing into the parking lot. People are coming into the parking lot. They're already getting hit with somebody who wants to be together with them. Call the parking lot greeter guy. Hey, here's an umbrella. And they're meeting them. In that. Well, I don't know where they open. It's right over here. Let me lead you to the... To the. Welcome. This wall is for you. No matter what you look like, no matter your past... This church is for you. Welcome. 
We've even realized as overtly as when we built the foyer, we thought it would be obvious. It's not still obvious which door of the 12 you're supposed to come in. I exaggerated there a little bit. Not 12, but there's more than one. And, and so we're gonna, you're going to see eventually we'll get probably some kind of decals across our windows. Welcome. It's the Jewish rabbi saying, what's your name? Who are you? You're welcome. To everybody, it's out there in public, isn't it? And the parking lot greeter is loving on people. He doesn't even know. He's going out and he's being the Jewish rabbi with the umbrella, with the kind hand. Don't weird him out, but help him know where the door is. Then they hit the greeters who love being together with new people. By the way, Tom, who is Pastor Tom, spoke here a couple weeks back. I was meeting with him. He said, off the chart, Pastor. I got here. I met about five people before I could hardly take a breath. There's awesome. I met them out in the foyer. I came into the sanctuary. People are meeting them. You guys, this is why the church has grown. This one thing. I mean, I've told everybody it's a preaching, but it's really you. It really is. Think about it. I could be the most awesome expositor of the gospel that's ever lived on the planet. And nobody greets them. Somebody says, why are you here? By the way, they're going to ask you for your money when you walk in. Don't sit here. That's where the important people sit. I could preach my heart out, and he's not going to stay here. He might go on the podcast from then on. But he's not together with anybody but me on the radio. You. The Bible says the church builds itself up in love. You build this church with your love. You bring new people in with your love. Now, I better mirror your love. It's hard to keep up with you, by the way. Because I can't greet everybody. And if people are expecting to meet the pastor, he may be a snob to them. But you need to overcome that for us, okay? Because we're going to grow and grow and they may never meet me. Peter, after a while just healed people walking by with his shadow because there were 50,000, 30,000 Christians in his church. He didn't have time to counsel. They just knew he walked by here to morning prayers. They put their people out in the street. Why do you think they did that? It wasn't because he had a wonderful shadow ministry. It was the only way they could contact him. And his shadow would heal people as he blew by them and didn't even introduce himself. But when your baby jumps alive, you don't care, right? As long as my sick one's healed, as long as my needs are met, it doesn't have to come from Peter. Not when you turn my life upside down, Jesus. Beloved, let us love together. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and actually knows What we're going to continue to promote is what the old coaches say, and everybody says, circle up, everybody. You like that? when Somebody says, hey, hey, circle up, and you like each other. <laughs> circle up is fun. Okay, I want you to go away and blah, 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 but circle up. When our coaches would circle us up, that's when the water finally came out during practice. That's when we'd take off our helmets and joke around a little bit and get to connect with each other find out how sore this guy is, how bad this guy's hurting. Hey, coach, this guy's sick. No, I'm fine, I'm fine. You are not. You're white as could be. You need to quit, you know. Because we circled up, and he took off his helmet, and I got to know him a little better and see where he's at. I think every one of us in here would love to be known. 
That's why platform ministries are so dangerous and so good at the same time. You get to know the pastors, you get to know the ministry team, but it really is an effort then for the ministry team to get to know you. We stopped doing membership a certain way. We did membership. You came in. I told you all about the history of the church. I told you all about Susie and I. I told you all the wonderful things we did. And I'd look out, and the 30 people that just loved our church would be falling asleep. And it finally dawned on me. They woke up when I said, hey, how'd you come to Jesus? Well, why came? And all of a sudden, they're off and running. Yeah? We all want to be known. But what really draws people is when you want to know. How many believe Jesus wants us in the know? Yeah. Jesus wants us to be in the know. You should, I have people in this church crack me up. They're quiet as could be, but they'll say, hey, pastor, for two weeks, sister so-and-so hasn't been here. And I'll go, that's right. She hasn't. How do you know that? I know these things. They don't say that, but I'm going, holy cow, he's reaching out. She's reaching out to get to know everybody. Our elders really struggled stopping the name tag thing. We heard you. We know you young people and you new people didn't like being outed in the service, didn't like name tags. But everything in us wanted to know you. And we realized it got um, impractical after a while. And it's okay for Peter not to know every one of the 30,000 people by name. That's not really required. What's required is somebody, somebody knows them. Somebody in the church is supplementing the church as it grows and gets to know them. And really, that's what we're going to do as a church. We're beginning to drive you into circle up. And one of the things that we found is that when you're a smaller church, we can all circle up at the potluck in the gym. Everybody can come. It's one big group hug. It's awesome. It's one of the greatest things about a small church. Youth camp's coming up. Let's all take the week off and give it to Jesus. Yeah. And we get to know each other in the kitchen and in the cleaning the toilets and counseling the kids and during worship services. It's awesome. But as a pastor, I started finding that new people were hitting their head against the wall because we can't bring you all up to youth camp anymore. So what do we say? Sorry, it's only for the ones that have been here for a while. Or we're rotating now. Every 10 years, you get to serve. That'd be fair, but rotten. We can't all fit in the gym now. So we have to ask Jesus, how did Peter do it? How did the apostles do it? The pastors had to say, we can no longer feed you all your meal. Those of you that have a food ministry, please step forward. And they delegated and delegated. And pretty soon the the widow that got to see Peter no longer saw Peter. But in came Stephen. Who walked in the power of God and looked like an angel. And pretty soon, who's Peter, she says. Because she's got Stephen in her corner. And those seven deacons served all the widows better than the 12 hotshot apostles were serving them. Get in your lane, pastor, and let other people run in theirs. Yeah? So we're circling you up. When we say we're doing rooted, it's not because we have another program. We want you to jump through the hoops and become members of our church. We're saying we're learning how to take a larger and larger and larger church, and this is sustainable through the largeness of and growth of our church to do rooted over and over and over and to build fellowship, build prayer, build Bible into people, build leadership into people. And leadership means finding people who love other people that want to bring them together and break bread at their house. 
or meet them at a coffee shop and get to know new people from the church and get a Bible study going of all the new people, people that have hearts to be together with other people. And we're looking for those kind of people, and you're just going to release you to love on people. You might want to serve at Boise Rescue Mission, and we're going to release you and four of us to go help Jason at the rescue mission. We're going to allow you to love on people in the world like God's called you to love on them. But we as a church can't get in the way of that. We've got to allow and find a way to release you. And that's rooted. I'm really praying that everybody who loves Jesus will sign up. And then you'll tell me you have a job on Wednesday nights and totally forgiven. You have all the grace in the world. We'll say next time we'll catch you. But if you can make it all in one accord, we'd love to have you join us on a Wednesday night. And the Bible says they broke bread with what? Gladness and simple hearts. I'm going to make you, as the worship team comes up, pastors, get in trouble a little bit for this. So now you're, now you're going to perk up because I'm going to do something that's a little edgy. You ready? Has to do with your money. If you listen to the sound of my voice, feel convicted, not condemned, because you can't come. It's okay, you guys. We're going to keep doing rooted it's going to cycle back around. Some of you have even missed a Easter service and somehow Jesus still loves you the next week, right? So this isn't a thing where you're either in or out. If you come to Rooted, the Bible says if we do it right, you're going to break bread and be really glad in it. And you'll praise the Lord for it. If after 10 weeks you're not glad you were with us, 100%. There it is. I promised right there. Did you miss that? <laughs> that was great opportunity to just slide that in. 100% money back guarantee. If you're not glad, you came. I want to pay you back. Because I don't know how this can fail where you're not glad. Okay. I think it's going to be a time we're going to get glad and praise the Lord because we're getting to be together. And I'm going to get to learn some of you. I just met a couple today, and I don't want to out you, but it was so fun just being with them and getting to know them and what rock stars in Jesus they are, and I never knew that before. I mean, I suspected. They, they're awesome people, but just fed my spirit to find out I'm not alone serving Jesus. You're not alone serving Jesus. They're... We're like Elijah, and we say, I'm the only one serving you, Lord. And he says, I have 7,000 other prophets. You need to go find them and have church with them. Yeah? You're not the only one. And we cannot save the world alone. All you Batmans and Flashes and Wonder Womans and Iron Men, we need each other to fight the kingdom of darkness. And if we do, the gates of hell will not prevail and we'll have the best movie ever put out by the DC comic strips. Would you stand with me this morning as we just sing a song? We're going to sing one time through and then I'm going to give a little charge here. But let's sing to the Lord and just meditate on what he said this morning. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
just saw a picture in my mind. I realized when I said old Jewish rabbi, you old Jewish rabbis, put your arm, it was metaphorical. I meant that you'd been here a while. And all of a sudden I saw I was at the wall and this young man, way younger than me, 30, 28, 25, he puts his arm around me in his black rabbi suit and he prayed, I would have cried just as hard. Yeah? Wasn't because he was old. Young people, reach out to other young people. Reach out to other old people. Old people reach to young people. Age goes away in the arms of love. Don't let it limit you. As God said, don't let them despise your youth. You just get in there and love them anyway. Oh, there's a hurting bunch of young people out there that needs people to put their arms around them. And sometimes their peers are the most important arms they could ever feel. But love has no age, no color, no doctrine, no theology, but love. If you've never experienced the love of Jesus Christ, other than when you walked in here and felt people loving on you, I want to give you an opportunity. We never want anybody to leave without finding Jesus for themselves. I went to Israel. I searched for Jesus everywhere and realized I brought him with me. He lives in my heart as real and more so here than he did when I was standing where he used to stand 2,000 years ago. I realized just that morning he stood in my heart. And if you don't have Jesus in your heart, oh, right now, would you just, every head bowed, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a chance just to invite Jesus into your heart so you can check it out. And he won't be a bully. He'll let you ask him questions. He'll be very gentle. But will you ask Jesus into your heart to search further to know if you want to get to know him, if you want him to reside fully in your life? Just right now, say, and everybody just repeat with me. Jesus, Jesus. Ralph's telling me you're real. Show me that you're real. I invite you into my heart. And I'm not going to tell you how to reveal yourself. Just knock my socks off, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to fill out that contact card in front of you. This doesn't commit you to anything other than we, the Bible says, confess with your lips, you're saved. 
It's a very important step to confess that you either are on the journey, you want to journey further, or you've accepted him. Would you let us know that so we can walk together with you? If you have a hurt, habit, or hang-up in your life right now, we're going to begin to sing again, and we have a prayer team back in that corner. And I'd like you together to be prayed for. There's something powerful with the effectual fervent prayers of wonderful people. It has great effect in your life. Confess to them. Tell them what you need. Just tell them you need prayer, whatever it is. But I want you to feel open to get ministered to today by another who has Jesus residing in their heart. Get that healing. And then when we begin to sing, uh, I'm really going to do what we say this time. Sophia, would you close in prayer? We keep circumventing the worship leader with prayer. I want Sophia to close in prayer. But while this song's going, those of you that need prayer, go back. If you just want to come and place your face on the altar, just stand before the Lord and say something personal to him and for him and with him, just by yourself, you and him. Jesus, give me more love. Jesus, give me more life. Jesus... Whatever you want to ask him or tell him, he's a big God, amen? He's a big, big God. He has plans for you, and you can't imagine him or see him. Open your life up to him. So if you want to come forward for prayer, next week is communion, and it's another time for us to express togetherness together. We are exploring at the close of the service, having more opportunities for communion, so everybody can respond to one of these responses. If you're not one of those three, you can go have communion. We're looking at that, wondering if that might be a neat way for you to respond to Jesus when those first three things aren't necessarily what you're feeling. Because we all want to respond together as a family of God, amen? So that one guy that serves Jesus isn't the only guy responding all by himself, walking up here to ask Jesus to come into his life. That's really intimidating, isn't it? But when we have all things in common and we're all responding to Jesus, it just flows and people come to Christ easier. They go get prayer. It just opens up for the new person they can respond and not be all alone. That makes sense? All right, we're going to sing again, respond in your way, and then Sophia's going to dismiss us in prayer. And I will build my life upon your life. It is a
us with who you are. We want to shine bright for you, Lord. Empower us this week as we go through our days. God, we want to be a light for you. Show us what, who you really are and be you in us so that we can be you to those around us, Lord. Thank you for this awesome day together. Keep your presence with us as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen. Be excused. Have a wonderful week.